Keys. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. This is Mandrian Pace, number one car thief in America. He'll steal anything, anytime, as long as it's insured. my horoscope this morning. His front, insurance investigation. His business, stealing cars. And now he's got to fill the biggest contract yet. We're going to deliver over 40 cars to the docks by Saturday. That's a sad start. Shit, listen. <laughs> You can lock your car, but if he wants it, it's gone in 60 seconds. Things don't always go as planned, even for a pro. Sometimes when you steal a car, you get more than you bargained for. Holy shit! Karen. Who is it? Police! The whole damn thing's loaded. Fasten your seatbelt for what Carcraft magazine calls the most hair-raising chase scene ever filmed. Hollywood Reporter says it's a thrill a minute. You owe it to your car to see Gone in 60 Seconds. It's Grand Theft Entertainment. Gone in 60 Seconds. Rated PG. Hey, this is Chuck Wright. You might know me from Quiet Wright, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bang your head. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our 300, 300, no, 660-some-odd shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com. Good evening, Matt. You did a very good job. That was very, very good. Good evening, Rob. How are you? Pretty good. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Go ahead and call the guest because I, I, I got to get right. this guest on the phone here in a few minutes because today I have to thank two people. Uh, 
very, very much, because if it hadn't been for these two people, I probably wouldn't be sitting here in front of the mic. I, I may have done the show, but it probably would have been inadvertently from a remote location, because thank you, Alan, and thank you, Shane. And uh, what happened was is I had to go down to my good friends down there at Forte's Garage in Pinellas Park, and I was doing an appraisal on a really cool car. I, I, at first, I was told it was a 70 Cor- 71 Corvette. It turned out to be a 71 LT1 Corvette. And I can go on the stories about that. But anyway, so when I was getting ready to leave the head of the radio station here, my trusty 2016 Ford Transit Connect van decided to go click, 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 and then nothing. Well, hey, you know me. I'm the ace mechanic, right? Not. Anyway, so Shane came out. And uh, is Shane on the phone now? You got Shane on the phone? Okay, not yet. No, I have him. He's right here. Oh, Shane, are you there? Hey. Thank you. Uh, Shane is kind of like uh, one of the key guys over there at Forte's Classic Garage, or Forte's... Is it Classics Garage now? Yeah, yeah, Forte's Classic Garage. Okay, so anyway, I was just telling the story how... So as I was getting ready to leave, you know, we couldn't figure it out. Now, I'm not... You know, I always tell everybody I'm an ace mechanic. Not. But (laughs) at any rate, so uh, fortunately, between your skills, and we kind of narrowed it down to some problem, and then we got Alan on the phone, and then we were able to somehow, you guys, I still don't know what you did, but you magically made my van run and drive, even though we have a red wire runs around all the way around the van. I got here. It's a radio station. So, again, I want to give you special thanks to you, Shane, and the team over there at uh, Fortes, because you obviously were all putting up with my crap, and, of course, Alan for coming up and having access to a computer. So, Shane, why don't you yeah. introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do over there at uh, Fortes and a little bit what they got going on, because they got some pretty amazing stuff going on over there right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like I said, my name's Shane. I'm the manager over at Fortes. Uh, just talking to the customers, dealing with parts, you know, the whole nine yards. But, um, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff going on. It's just basically American Classics. Uh, been in business since 56, and that's just kind of what they stuck with since then. They never really progressed, so just stuck with it. Well, no, 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 no. They have progressed because what Dom and 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 company, and I'll say Tony and Anthony, what they used to do is just basically, you know, standard American cars and you know a lot of classics, yeah. specialized yeah, yeah. in Mustang. But now you guys are getting into custom stuff, resto mods. Yeah. So why don't you share yeah. with our listeners some of the really cool? Talk about that. Uh, what was that? Sixty-one or sixty-two Corvette that I saw in this morning, this afternoon? Yeah, yeah. Tell us yeah, about that the, car a little bit. Yeah, sixty-two Corvette. Um, it was a pretty standard car. There really wasn't too much, too too fancy about it. But um, we got an LS3 in it now with a 6080 transmission, four nine inch rear end, all custom suspension. Um, so it's going to be a sweet ride when it's done. I'm excited for it. And he's doing some pretty nice cosmetic things as well. We added the uh, the, the third set of rear taillights. Um, we're doing like a center exit exhaust in the back. So it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a fun build. Now that's is that considered Restomod or Pro Touring? What exactly is the theme there on that car? I, I would consider that more of like a Pro Touring car. Um, Restomod would be kind of like that Black Camaro you saw that you did for us. Okay, so talk um, about the Black Camaro while we're t- talking about that a little bit. Now, give it give us the difference between Pro Touring and Restomod. Yes, I'd consider a Pro Touring just kind of uh, get a good suspension under it, a good set of wheels and tires, and a good power plant. Uh, modern power plant, and I would consider that more of more of that. But a, a full resto mod, I would consider more like a full frame off type of build, custom bodywork, uh, flush mount glass, shaving, drip rails, custom, custom everything, custom interior, custom everything. 
there's really nothing original about it anymore. It's still got the original style, body line, but you, you look at it, you can still tell it's a Camaro, but there's really not much original left going on anymore. So for our listeners, the ones that are tuning in right now, so is there a big difference in cost, you know, when you're building, you know, just, and again, just round numbers, you know, between a pro touring yeah. car and, let's say, when you go all out resto mod? Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a big difference. Like, that, that Corvette you saw, we, we're never pulling the body off that frame. Right. Um, it's just going to be putting a fresh engine, suspension, everything underneath it. Um so yeah, there's a, there's a big there's a big cost difference. I'd say you're 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 looking between a hundred for a beginner and then full resto mod. I mean, you could you could get crazy with it, but so upwards of two uh, three hundred. Okay, two three hundred. That's where I was going. Now, yeah. speaking of which, you have this. Uh, you've been around. You were you started out basically doing as a as a mechanic there, a wrench, as yep. they say in the yep. layman's terms, and now you're up at the front and you're kind of running things. And yep. so some of the projects you've worked on in the past, I know you're kind of a Mustang guy, if I remember correctly, but you've yep. got this 58 or 59 Buick. So tell us about your 59 Buick you got sitting back there, which is really a cool yeah. car. So what's the plan? Well, first of all, I really loved anything 59. I mean, the rear fins on, like, really any 59 car really got me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw, I saw that 59 Buick actually local on Facebook Marketplace, and I just I fell in love with it. It was in really good shape. I mean, it needs floor pans, trunk pans, stuff like that. But the body itself is really solid. Um, I'm working on rebuilding the nail head in it right now, and uh, just kind of go from there with it. But now, I don't really plan on painting it or anything like that. I like the patina on it. Okay, so your theme. Now, tell everybody what a nail head is. I know what a nail head is, but for our listeners, tell them what a, what a nail head motor is. Yeah, a nail head is just. Uh, um, one of their V8s, and it's called a nail head because the valves in the heads are the size of nails. Okay. Not, not literally, but they are very tiny compared to, like, your standard V8 valve. So they call them nail heads. And then, of course, the the, the angle of the valve covers is straight up and down. Yeah. Cut, right. Yeah, there's no more. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, so what you're going to do is basically kind of keep it more or less old school is what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yep, still carbureted. I, I like the simplicity of a carbureted system. It keeps it a little bit more reliable, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, uh, uh, so we have to deal with electrical uh, problems like my van today, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so anyway, yeah. right, so carburetor, regular distributor, points, or electronic? I'll probably go electronic. That's yeah. probably one, one, one upgrade I'll do. What but. kind of uh, transmission? Uh, so they make a basically a Turbo 400 that pulls behind a nail head mm-hmm. it's, it's buick's transmission but it's turbo 400 guts so okay. it'll be a three-speed automatic it's basically a turbo 400 but with a buick bell housing okay that's definitely old school okay what about wheels brakes suspension anything like that upgrades i don't know if i'm gonna do anything too crazy i mean the, the 59 buick is such a unique car there's really not many people making anything for it i mean the only piece of sheet metal they make that i've researched so far that i could find was a floor pan and a trunk pan which is the only two pieces i really need Okay, but as far as like aftermarket suspension, bigger brakes, um, I don't really plan on that right now. Um, I think you can get like a little bit newer Buick brakes, like newer as in like '60s, early '70s brakes mm-hmm. that will fit on those. But suspension stuff like that, I mean, it would have to be fully custom if I wanted to change all that out. So, well, those really er- the way it is. early Buicks had those big, giant cast aluminum finned. Brake drums on them, yeah. if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, kind do. of a cool look. There. It's a, it is a really cool look. I've already had people wanting to, wanting to buy them off me. 
Oh, that was a hot rod. Yeah, hot rodders use those back in the day. Okay, so what kind of wheels are you going to put on it? Uh, probably some steelies. I, I don't really, I don't need anything flashy. I don't want it to be a really flashy car. Like I said, I like, I like the patina on it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to paint it. Um, so I, I like something a little bit more simplistic for it. Okay. Plus, it's a two door and it's a hard top, so yeah. you know that's what's really groovy. Yeah. It's a cool car, man. I love that thing. All right. Some of the other stuff that uh, Fortes does down there, they're big into Broncos. So I noticed that there's a lot of uh, early series Broncos, like the 66 mm -hmm. to 74, if I remember correct. No, 77. Yeah, 75. Five? Yeah. I think it's five. Or no, I'm sorry. No, you're right. So 77? 75 or 76, because I think the full size came out in 78. 78. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's 77. You're right. So you're doing yeah. a lot of you had three of those in there. Uh, well, one was was Chris and Dom's, and then the other two were yeah. looked like customers' cars, but uh, they look pretty, 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're nice Broncos. One's uh, one's built uh, by a local guy. He he put a lot of his time into it. It's funny. They're the exact same green. They have a custom brown leather interior. They got the same fender flares. I mean, it was it's funny how how close these cars are together. But the uh, the one guy, yeah, he's he's basically an at home mechanic and just did what he could to it, and now he's wanted to do a little bit bigger stuff that he couldn't really handle at home, so he brought it to us. Um, and then the other one, the customer actually just bought it from one of the uh, one of those companies that just manufactures like the old school Broncos, uh -huh. and they just sell they put them out on the on a listing for people to buy. And uh, so yeah, she just bought that one, brought it here. And we just did a little touch-up TLC things, things that she wanted changed, uh, a little bit basic, a little bit basic stuff on that one. But so these people <laughs> didn't even cars. know each other, and they have identical colored vehicles. <laughs> what a coincidence! Yeah, yeah. and the, the one customer actually just stopped in yesterday and saw that, and he was he was loving it. It was hilarious. Oh, that's, cool. that's cool. That's yeah, cool. It, it was neat. All right. So, uh, oh, then, and what about the boats? Are they still doing the the, the boats? No, no more boats. No more boats. No, strictly no hot rods boats. and customs and classic auto repair. Classic cars, yep. Basic repairs to full rest of mods. That's, that's pretty much it. Okay, and I noticed that uh, there was a Range Rover or a Rover Defender or something like that sitting back yeah. there. Yeah. What's the story on that? Yeah, so that's really like our, our kind of unique build. Um, it's, a, it's a customer of ours who has a 68 Firebird, and he's been a very loyal customer with us for a while. And um, for whatever reason, he got a little itch and got two Land Rovers. <laughs> and the one you saw was a Defender. That's going to be the full build okay. type of build. But it's a, you know it's got we're putting an LS in it. He actually it was a right hand drive car, and we converted it back to left hand drive. He got it from out, out of the states. Um, so we're converting it back to left hand drive, putting an LS drivetrain in it, and keeping the rest pretty simplistic uh you know basics ac stuff like that but nothing else really too crazy with it but his other one he uh that's a 62 series 2a that we did and drivetrain kept it all together nothing really touched there but just made it appearance wise very nice we painted it um had the interior made uh paint you know like i said just paint the engine bay cleaned up the engine bay um actually turned out to be a really nice nice little truck but Okay. What's uh, what's Tony working on out front? Some sort of is that his project or is that a customer's project? That that giant no. red man looking thing? Yeah, that's a customer's project. Okay. Um, it's a uh, it's a '54 Grumman, 
uh, like an old bread truck. Mm-hmm. And the the guy's intentions with it, he's actually a mobile marine mechanic, uh, electrical mechanic. Oh, electrical. So he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's going to fill it full of all his electrical goodies, and he can go out and do whatever he needs to do on the, on the boats with it. But we put airbag, you know, put a four nine inch in the back and put it on bags so he can kind of raise or lower it depending on the load he's got back there. Um, Mustang two style front suspension. Obviously, they don't really make anything for a fifty four Grumman, so we had to make everything fit. But um, turned out really nice. So far, so good. Yeah, definitely. All right, so Forte's Automotive or Forte's Garage, classic garage. It's basically Dom the father. You got Tony, and then you got Christopher, and then there's how many guys besides yourself working there? Oh, there's probably six or seven others right now okay and everybody has a special uh trade or special aspect uh that they contribute to the to the operation there you know in other words nothing really defined nothing really defined everybody's good at one thing you know or the other some people are not as good at other things so we put people where their strengths are and what they like doing and uh it ends up working really well Super, super. Well, hopefully you guys will end up with SEMA with something really cool because you build some pretty amazing cars. If people want to find out yeah. more about Forte's Classic Garage, how do they go about doing it, Shane? Yeah, so just uh, Google Forte's Classic Garage. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, even YouTube. Um, and we're over in Largo, uh, just off 66th Street. Um, just look us up and you know we can take care of you, whatever you want to do. Sounds good. All right. Well, Shane, I want to thank you very much. And again, I'm very, very appreciative to you. Thank you for helping me get my uh, yes, little van down here. And, uh, of course. And then, of course, we, we're doing that appraisal on that 71 LT1 Corvette down there for you guys. So uh, hopefully I'll get that all completed and uh, we'll have another happy customer down there. And again, thank you for the referral. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. So, Shane, uh, big shout out to my friend Shane and uh, the team at Forte's Classic Garage, right? Yes, sir. Give out the phone number real quick. The phone number real quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 727-554-5367. All right, good. Well, say hi to the gang for me, and uh, we'll touch base next week. Will do. Thank you again. Thank you very much. All right, we are here. As, uh, we got somebody else on the phone? No, I'm just letting you know we got the other thing ready to go. Oh, we're ready we to go. Get, okay, cool. Before we can get to guest time, we got a little musical interlude for oh, you. Oh, we got a musical Well, anyway, before we do that, I want to go okay. back to finishing my story here. So, sure. So, uh, Alan, if you're there, you know, uh, and I have to see Alan. So, I, you know what? I'm okay with carburetors, and I'm okay with, with mechanical stuff, you know. Uh, uh, what, oh, distributors and points. And well, stuff I was like say, are we talking like basic mechanical stuff, or are we talking like... No, def- no, no, basic basic mechanical. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I've been wrenching on cars and building my junk since I was like 15, 16 years old. So, okay, so you know, after overtime, you, you get to know stuff. And you get acclimated to working on certain things, like I work on, you know, my old junk. and But this new stuff, I have no clue. And when it comes to electronics, I have zip zero nada. That was going to be my next question, because you could be able to fix your van no problem no 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 i couldn't even fix my own van right. so you'd be able to fix like a 67 chevelle for argument's sake but if i have a problem with my 2018 rav4 which you're is going to the dealer outside, okay you're going to the dealer okay. and, I, and i wouldn't f- work on a 67 chevelle because i'm a ford guy i'd be no, working I, on I, 67 no, I, I but anyway but anyway, anyway. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> anyway so where i'm going with this is yeah i would work on a chevelle no big deal but because i've had chevys and mopos and all kinds of stuff and but anyway where i'm going with this is that sometimes it takes somebody really really smart and Alan 
is really smart. He comes on our show every once in a while. We're going to have him on here down a couple months from now. Again, we're going to be talking about more of some of this old stuff and road and track and motor trend and magazines and stuff like that. But somehow he just always comes through. He helped me straighten out the, the windows in the, my, my son's sport track and, and, and able to figure this out. I have no I The thing is, is I just don't understand. You know, a friend of mine told me a long time ago, now I sound like that that butthead up in the office. You know, you know that thingy thing? thing? Okay. Yeah, I know what you're well, talking about. Anyway, all right. So, um, but a friend of mine explained to me one time, he says, electrical current's very simple. Electrical's very simple, he says. It's just like water. Water flows in a direction. You have a valve. You turn it on, turn it off, and the valve opens, and water flows, and so on. And then you have a diverter in there, and it goes left, it goes right, it goes up, down, wherever it's supposed to go. Well, electricity basically is the same thing. That's all fine and dandy. I understand all that. That's fine. But when it comes down to reading a schematics, and then you have to understand what certain things do, and then you have to know how to test certain components, and then you have to, from experience, I might add, and this is where Alan comes in at, is go, well, okay, well, if, this, if plan A doesn't work, go to plan B. If plan B doesn't work, go to plan C, and so on, and so on, and so on. So anyway, that's where I'm going with this whole thing. And uh, uh, right now, I am basically hot-wired. I guess that's how you would call it. It's a weird deal, because I just went, the truck ran fine. Went to start it, nothing. Somehow we ran a wire from the battery, plus side of the battery, in, across, around, and underneath the interior of the car, so it's underneath my wiper blade, and uh, in there and plugged into a fuse panel. But the cool thing about it was is that Shane had enough you know, know-how to kind of figure out where we were going, and then all he needed was someone like, because I couldn't tell him, he needed someone like Alan just to kind of say, well, this is what we do, and bingo, it worked. And I said, wow, I have no idea. So thank you, Alan. So, Alan, you need to be consulted. On that note, I think what we're going to do is fire up the stereo and get ready for our next guest. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm glad to be here. How about that? So we got, speaking of Quiet Riot and Chris Wright, who was just uh, our promo well, guest, yeah, we're going to play show, a little... Is that what we got coming on? Cry Wire? Bang your yes. head. Right. Yeah, the only thing I wish for everybody is the title of this song, Good Mental Health. <laughs> All right. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. Don't touch that dial.
This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman actually was a Porsche guy for many, many, many years with Brumos in Jacksonville, and then Porsche Classic in Atlanta, and now... He's a uh, specialist with uh, a new auction company called Broad Aero Group. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this uh, evening my good friend, Ray Schaefer. Great. Ray, how you doing? Hey, great, Robert. How are you tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been an exciting evening here, and I'll tell you about that another time. But anyway, so <laughs> give, us, uh, give us a scoop on what's going on this weekend, because it's the 75th anniversary of Porsche. So what do you guys got planned for us up there in Atlanta? It is. I mean, Porsche is all about driving cars, right? I mean, we love the way they drive. And so how better to get people into them than to offer a, a wonderful assortment through the catalog of 75 years at the Porsche Experience Center Atlanta while they're celebrating the 75th anniversary of Porsche, which, by the way, the exact date of that happens to be June 8, 1948. So as we roll into this event from the 8th through the 10th, we're right there for the 75th anniversary, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So give us a kind of an itinerary. Give us a, kind of a breakdown of what uh, how this uh, ne- the next three or four days is going to play out. Yeah, so the preview will, will take place for the public on Friday, mm-hmm. and that'll be from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. at the Porsche Experience Center Atlanta. And then on uh, Saturday from 11 a.m. 11 a.m. on, then we will have the actual auction, not only of the vehicles, the Porsche cars that are uh, entered into the auction, but also from some great memorabilia, which is all related around Porsche, and all selling at no reserve for the memorabilia lots. So there's really something for everybody in there. Even the price range, or the estimate range, I should say, of the uh, cars themselves, there's a really good spread. Uh, So, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a a million-dollar car collector to um, find something that'll look good in your garage at this auction. Okay, so how take us through the process. How did you guys determine how many cars you were going to have and how many, and, and the caliper and the level of the cars and the variety? Give us a little bit of uh, insight as to how that all took place. Yeah, for sure. Well, again, you, you know, Porsche, with, with the great catalog of cars that they've engineered and produced over the 75 years, there's a great run that you can look at from the 356 models all the way up to the latest 992s. And everything in between. And so we really just wanted to try and find a great quality representation of cars for that. And we've come up with about 64, 65 vehicles and, uh, and a lot of memorabilia to go along with it. And so everything from uh, a first-year Boxster 1997 in the communication colors of, of Arctic Silver with Boxster red leather interior like you would see in the brochure, that vehicle... Uh, has an estimate range of thirty to forty thousand dollars, but the vehicle only has twelve hundred original miles on it. I mean, I've seen this car; it's like brand new in the wrapper, uh, and so that's a great example of, of a car that's offered without reserve. Uh, you know, sort of on the the lower estimate range, and then on the higher end, we go we go all the way up to something like the uh, Coca Cola nine sixty two, which uh, was the first. 962 that Bob Aiken raced in the IMSA GTP competition back in the 1980s. It was the, only the second factory-built 962 to leave the race shop in Germany, uh, which is significant, um, being a Zuffenhausen-produced um, 962 chassis. So, you know, that's estimated between $1 and $1.3 million. 
So we really try to cover everything, you know, from there in between. And, and we actually go a little bit higher than that with uh, one of the 904 Carrera GTSs that are entered. Rarely do you see those come to auction, uh, but we've got a beautiful red one there that Rod Emery did the restoration work on. You used the term communication colors. I've never heard that mm-hmm. before, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, the reason I say that is because, like Porsche, I believe, and I think Mercedes also, their yeah. colors were silver with red interiors. You know, when you talk about the brochure car. So when you use the term communication colors, kind of break that down for me a little. Is that something you coined, or is that something that's kind of being used now in the industry? Kind of like the yeah. word um, bespoke. That's another one they, they used to throw me yeah. all the time. Bespoke. Everything's right. bespoke, which is unique, you know. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, right. there's, there's new terminology. I'm, i got to get kind of familiar with it. But anyway, go ahead. I'm that's sorry. That's right. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. And, and I think what it is is it's my it's my seven and a half years at Porsche Cars North America, my corporate speak. Maybe it's starting to drift out a little bit because um, – Communication colors is what you refer to as the vehicle that you typically see inside a brochure. Ah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be silver with red leather interior in the case of a Porsche. It could be like, take, for example, the 911R, which we also have uh, one of at the auction this weekend. White with red stripes, that was what they used in the brochure. And so that would be what you would reference as a communication color for that particular car. So, yeah, I mean, and you could you could say the same thing about the Corvette Stingray or the BMW 3 Series or whatever happens to be in the brochure. If you have one just like it, then you reference it as the communication colors, if you will. All right, so let me ask you this. So now you're a, a specialist with Broad Arrow, and here mm-hmm. comes this question, okay, because I get asked this. So people will say, hey, look, I have, when I do appraisals, they'll say, mm-hmm. I have the car that's the same color as the car that's on the brochure. Does that make my car worth more? So... Ray, does that make your yeah. car worth more if you have a car that's in the communication colors? You know, I guess it depends on if it's if it's a um, if it's a popular color and mm-hmm. if it's not. Like you take, for example, the Boxster we just talked about. Right? How can you argue with Arctic silver with a red leather interior on a, on a Porsche, especially on a Boxster? Right? I mean, that is iconic as color scheme as if ever there were. And one. classic, yes, uh, and just yeah, very... classic. Okay, so take take the nine uh, the uh, Cayman R. If you remember when that car came out in the 987 generation, uh, that that was shown in the brochure in a color called Peridot Metallic, which is basically like a lime green color. Mm-hmm. Okay, And if you love unique colors that are uh, very individualistic, then you're probably going to value that highly. Do the majority of people want the lime green? You know, probably not as many as do a silver car or a black car, let's say. And so um, I think the the driver of that just has to do with popularity more than it does the fact that it's in a in a brochure. Okay. All right. All right. Now I actually saw some of your videos, and you did one on the 962, and you mm-hmm. did one on I think the 935. That's there, right? There's a red 935 there also, I think. A Bob Aiken's car. Yeah. No, that's um, no that the, the nine sixty two is is the red Coca Cola. Okay, that, did you do talks. well? All right, where am I going? Where I'm going with this is the videos mm-hmm. are very well done, and your presentation you. and your execution is very very professional, and and it's it suits you well, I might say. You know, you you're you're, you're, you're uh, you know you're on your way to becoming a TV movie celebrity there, <laughs> but where I'm, but I thought you did one on. Have you done other videos? That yeah. were not necessarily related to this particular auction, but let's say these special type videos 
on very rare cars. Seemed to me you did one on a 935, or there was some car you did that was special to you, and it, it may have been around the Brumos period. Kind of, am I? Yeah. What was that? No, no, you're right. You're right, and without a doubt, I mean, I, I appreciate your kind words for sure because I do love I do love storytelling around these very special cars, and you know, every car. When you dig into it, you really there's a story with most um, most classic cars. You go to a Cars and Coffee and you talk to owners of the cars, and you, you come back with these great stories. And so I love I love talking about that. Obviously, when we were in the Brumos collection, we had a lot of cars to talk about there. We do have a car that's going to be in this sale in 1974 911 Carrera, the first year of the G series. I did a short film about that, uh, which is um, uh, the the orange car also happens to be communication color for that model year on that brochure. And uh, it was a great story about the ownership, the originality of that car, and why it mattered and why it was in the Brumos collection. And so, yeah, over the over the years, I've, I've definitely really enjoyed uh, that process of telling these stories. Was that the orange RS? It's not an RS, but it is a uh, it is or a seventy four nine eleven Carrera. Yes. Okay. All right. So the the tell us, give us a little insight onto the market right now a little bit. I'm kind of a G series kind of guy, and, and what's interesting is they refer to them as a G series not now, but back in the days when I had these cars in the seventies mm-hmm. and eighties. It was just, uh, we called them the accordion bumper or the big bumper 911, <laughs> right. short hood, right. you know. Uh-huh. And and so then later they got dubbed, the or today they're called the G-Series. So what is, what, does that have something to do with the, the design program? Is that why they're called the yeah. G-Series? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, one thing that we're very good at at Porsche was having multiple names for the same thing. Okay. You know, you look at you look at the 911, right? People refer to it as a 911. They refer to it as a G series. They refer to it as a 996 or 964 Carrera. There's all these variations, if you will, but uh, they they are our 911. Uh, but in the case of the G series model, the one that came before that, the first generation 911 uh, that ran until 73, or the long hoods, if you will, mm-hmm. those are technically the F-series cars, right? So the one that followed that was the G-series. Ah, okay. And then that, that ran from 74 until 89 when we got the replacement, which was the 964. Um, you know, why that wasn't called, you know, the letter after, I don't know, but um, they went with 964 instead. Okay, so it should be the H series, and after that would be the HI series, and so on and so on. Okay, <laughs> so but, um, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, given where you're at as a specialist, okay, now working for Broad Arrow, and uh, which is kind of a you know congratulations on the move. Thank um, you. So now. As as you are working with Broad Arrow, obviously what you bring to the table is your Porsche background, and mm-hmm. so does that relegate you as a specialist strictly with Porsches, or can you branch out and say, look, I know something about BMWs, I know a little bit about Mercedes, yeah. I know something about Mustangs, or how does yeah, that without, work? No, you're right. I mean, without a doubt, 25 years with the Porsche brand, of course, you know, I'm going to have uh, knowledge of living with uh, the the cars and, and everything that kind of happened through that time period. But, you know, like most people that work at Haggerty and Broad Arrow Group, and we're car people first and foremost, uh, not just specific on a brand. And so, I mean, you know, when I started out loving cars as a teenager, the first car that caught my eye was, was an 84 Corvette. And I remember, you know, I remember that whole um, generation, if you will. I lived through that. I have a lot of domestic background uh, with General Motors cars in particular. And, and a lot of people don't know that about me. There's I, I love all sports cars. And so, I mean, the, the history of, of Jag and, and Aston Martin and, and you name it, Ferrari, 
You know, I, I love them as well. I obviously have specialized in Porsche, having been with them for 25 years. Um, so, I mean, you just you share this experience across the board, and that's where the team really comes in. When you look at the specialists that we have at Broad Arrow Group, people like myself, that maybe someone's background was more in the American classics, like take Caroline Cassini, for example, or David Swig, um, with his background in sports cars and European sports. Uh, you know, when you look at the team's collective experience, that's really what we like to say, you know, the rising tides lifts all ships. And when it comes to sharing that experience with our, our clients, that's really what matters. That's where we put our focus, you know, is on the quality of that advice, the research, and the customer service that we can give to every one of our clients based on our collective experience. So if to to qualify if, and 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 because if you go to the careers page i guess you mm-hmm. are looking for specialists if there's an opening there um mm-hmm. so what, what does it take to become a specialist and 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 to work for a company of the uh the, that caliber of of broad arrow well you know i'm not the hiring manager so i'm not really involved in that process but i can just say that you know obviously a background in customer service and knowing automobiles mm-hmm. uh you know being being able to to network and to, um, to help find, because not only do we find the great cars and bring them to auction, whether it be live, like the one we're doing this weekend at the Porsche Experience Center Atlanta, but we also have online 24 hours a day, seven days a week with the Haggerty Marketplace. And, uh, and we also do private treaty sales uh, where cars are traded between uh, buyer and seller without any public um, sort of face of it, if you will, because they, they don't want it to be. They want to sell, move on a car. So we work in all aspects of that. And so without a doubt, you know, having a background in customer service and car experience helps. I mean, obviously, in my case, that's kind of where I'm coming from. One of the reasons why after seven and a half years at Porsche Cars North America, I kind of went back to my uh, background, if you will, in car sales, because I, I just love connecting fantastic people with fascinating cars and I, i've always enjoyed that whether i was working at the gm dealership uh as a kid or later on you know with with porsche it's just um it's just a, there's a lot to be said for seeing that look on people's face when they drive off in their first porsche or, or whatever you know and just love that process how many cars are going to be total uh uh total are being offered at um at broad arrow this weekend I think the number was 65, but we've had one that was withdrawn, so around 64, 65 cars, and then, as I mentioned, a, a great amount of memorabilia, all Porsche-related as well, so something for everyone, for sure. So, how many people do they anticipate, uh, I mean, you know, because you've done a few specialty auctions, how many people do you anticipate, uh, you know, as buyers, spectators, any idea? Mm-hmm. Well, remember that Porsche Experience Center Atlanta does have the security gates in front because of the relationship to the uh, Atlanta Airport, as well as the fact that it is a corporate headquarters. So everybody does need to be registered uh, in order to, to come in. So um, that said, I don't have the exact head count right now because it's continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you from a from a interest standpoint and a buzz and the people that I've been talking to, and I'm just one of many people that work inside the company, um, it seems like compared to five years ago, the excitement level and the buzz around the 75th anniversary is much greater. I, I have a feeling we're going to have a very full house mm-hmm. uh, there for the auction on Saturday and, and I, the preview on Friday, which also, by the way, coincides with Porsche's Festival of Dreams and their Guitarga concert that's happening that afternoon. Uh, you remember, it's, it's their anniversary. They've got a celebration planned. We'll be there with the preview as well. So I think it's going to be a really 
fun mix of people there for the preview as well as the festivities. Uh, and a lot of great cars to see. I mean, a lot of great cars. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the uh, online catalog at yes. Broad Arrow Auctions mm-hmm. website. But, boy, what do you think? Well, you have two turbos that are very, very interesting colors. Okay. 930s that are there. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, one, I think, is kind of a purplish color, and one's kind of a uh, – I'm not sure what it is. But I think I believe they're both paint to sample. And of course, I've got a thing for – uh, 7889 930s because I've had a few of those over the years and uh, yeah. so you got those then you got I think a couple other mid 80s cars that I'm interested in and yeah. um, but what I was going to ask you is so having been you know with PEC what all is give us a little background on PEC right now and tell us about you know they got the new track and mm-hmm. I understand that there's when you talk about the festivities is that open to the public or is that uh, by invitation only or how does that work yeah, so uh, Porsche, you can, first of all, you, to, for, as far as the auction is concerned, you can go on to broadarrowauctions.com and you'll see the events page right there so you can register. And, you know, the good part is if you can't make it to Atlanta to be there, you can also watch with the live stream online oh. on Saturday morning. And you can register uh, free to bid online or by the phone. And so... If you see something you like, you don't have to be in the room to bid on it. That's one great thing. Now, if you do want to be there for the Festival of Dreams and the Guitarga concert that I mentioned, then what you want to do is Google the term Porsche eZentrum, and you'll find the website where Porsche has a registration for all their events, like the Festival of Dreams and the Guitarga concert. So it's Porsche, then eZentrum. And Zentrum, remember, is the German word for center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's typically what they use in place of dealership. So eZentrum is what you want to do. Porsche eZentrum. Google that. You'll find the website, and uh, that'll get you pretty much the information you need there. Or go to broadarrowauctions.com. So now the uh, 75th anniversary, uh, from what I understand, there's a lot of dealerships around the country that are having their own basically in-house festivals. Is Brumos doing anything that you know of? You mean Brumos Collection, the museum? Down well, there? actually, it's Feel... Yeah, Brumos Collection, or I, I guess it's Feels BMW now. It's not Brumos anymore. Or it's Porsche of Jacksonville, correct? You're correct. It's Porsche Jacksonville, and I believe they are. I saw on uh, Instagram they, they had a post about the events happening. I think most Porsche dealerships this weekend are hosting 75th anniversary events. So, you know, again, if you can't make it to Atlanta to be there... Uh, at the home of Porsche in America, then go to your local authorized Porsche dealer. You're more likely not going to come across an event um, this weekend. Okay, super. All right. So now you mentioned something about, well, there's a lot of things that people don't know about me. So let's just, if if Ray Ray Schaefer was interviewing Ray Schaefer, what (laughs) what, what question would Ray ask Ray? That he'd say, hey, that's kind of interesting. I, I really want people to know this about me. So, you know, you mentioned something about you liked 84 Corvettes, and you yep. had been around GM dealerships. So give us a little bit more background about yourself. So maybe maybe like a trivia question would be, what what brand of car was Ray Schaefer selling before he went to Porsche uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and started his 25-year association with the brand? Yes. I don't know many people know the answer to that question, but the, the answer would be Cadillac. Cadillac, really? <laughs> That's right, kind of unexpected. Yeah, right? but I grew up. I grew up with uh, my grandfather had a, a seventy Deville convertible that, that he had pretty much from new for twenty one years in our family. And my dad had one. My mom drove it, uh, and so you know I always had an affinity for the Cadillac brand and read about it. You know the the innovation uh, that they're responsible for in the early days of motoring. 
mm-hmm. and that appealed to me. And I've just always, you know, enjoyed that brand. I still do. I mean, what's not to love about the look of a '67 Eldorado Coupe? I mean, that is just a great looking car, isn't it? That's so, stunning. Yes, of the three yeah. years, '67 is the best. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, so, so you know, I have an affinity for that brand as well. Uh, you mentioned the Corvette. You know, I, I, I owned a C4 ZR1. I remember selling oh, really? those cars when they, yeah, when they were new. You know, uh-huh. I, 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 they were the most expensive American car you could get at the time, and it just seemed so far out of reach. But then, as you know, today they're great used car values mm-hmm. and collector car values. So um, I was able to, to pick one up uh, some time ago for about $15,000. I mean, they're a lot of car for the money. I had that for a good number of years and eventually uh, moved it on. But I enjoyed a great variety of cars. Uh, I once owned a DeLorean that um, I purchased out of Houston, Texas, and drove 10 hours back to Jacksonville. It was a great car. Wow. Enjoyed that for a number of years. Yeah. So, you know, I, I and of course, owned Porsche throughout this period, of course, and still do. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I do like a variety of cars. I have very eclectic taste, I think, when it comes to uh, collector cars. Do you have a small collection of your own that you're working on? No, I really don't. I, I kind of, uh, I think the most I ever got to at one point in time is three three cars uh, mm-hmm. plus a company car, and um, and I'm down to I'm down to um, a two, and the um, the one being a race car, which is really sort of where my focus is right now on vintage racing, which uh, with a Porsche 944 Turbo Cup, one of the 38 factory cars built for the Rothmans Canadian Series just like the one that we have available in the auction this weekend. So um, I'm a big fan of those cars, and when I had a chance to get one last fall and go vintage racing, then I decided to shift my focus from sort of a, you know collecting a number of cars just to getting down to um, spending my free time on the race weekends. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, so uh, racing is kind of like, I don't know, it's like you got a Porsche or you got a mm-hmm. Shelby or something like that. It's just, it's, it's a natural... Uh, progression, evolution, if you will. You just want to go fast and drive fast, and then they say, well, you're really not supposed to do this on the street after you get five tickets, and you almost lose right. your license. They say, you need to confine yourself to the racetrack. And then, next thing you know, you go to, like I did, I went to Road Atlanta, got my racing license mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, yeah, the rest is all history. So, how did it work for you? we got about, uh, what, five minutes yet left, right, don't we? Yeah, five, six minutes left. So, Ray, go ahead, tell us a little bit how your uh, racing um, uh pursuit uh began yeah yeah it's a slippery slope for sure i mean uh without a doubt it started for me when i was a kid and and wanted to do it in fact that's how i sort of ended up in the porsche brand was going to the races watching the races and seeing the coca-cola 962 and bob aiken you know win sebring and and sort of go through that whole imsa gtp period but when i finally could afford to do something it was go-kart racing as it is for a lot of young people and so uh, in my early 20s, I was able to start go-kart racing, and I pretty much carried that through to my late 20s when I eventually did end up at Brumos and was able to do a little bit more from a um, personal investment standpoint because, you know, as you know, from going to the track yourself, you have to pay to um, get behind the wheel if it's not your car, if it's a school car or if it's something of that nature. And so um, I made the switch from go-karts into eventually shifter carts and then into the Skip Barber Formula Ford Series, which uh, when I completed that Southern Series, decided to make the jump into uh, showroom stock racing because I always loved the idea of, of racing what you sell. Uh-huh. And, and so I did that. I did the Motorola Cup for a while and eventually into Grand Am Cup 
before getting to do uh, Grand Am GT racing uh, in a 911. And uh, followed that through pretty much getting somewhat serious about, you know, can I, can I actually do this? You know, can I keep this going? Um, and right about the same time, I had an opportunity to become the sales manager at Brumos Porsche. And so I kind of had a way the, you know, what do I want to do with my future? And at that point in time, I decided that I would sort of follow that lead that Bob Aiken, uh, who was a, a heck of a gentleman driver and businessman first, and then eventually was able to get into racing. And I decided to take that route where I would say, okay, I'll, I'll have a career in business. And then if I can get back into racing on my own afterwards, then, you know, that's, that's how I'll do it. And so um, I stopped driving at that point in time, although I was able to continue uh, with some drives in the Brumos collection cars for different um, exhibitions and what have you. That was always fun, driving some great cars. Um, and that really kind of continued all the way through to my time when I, I left Brumos and came to Porsche Cars North America. It wasn't until a few years ago that a friend of mine invited me to share his car with him at the Midi, and uh, the bug bit me all over again. And from that, <laughs> from that point, from that point on, uh, I was kind of back into it, and here I am. So, yeah, it has a way of changing your life because, as you know, Robert, there's nothing like getting a car onto a closed track and just focusing, you know, on the performance of the car and trying to get the best out of yourself. And you can really feel what the cars are designed to do in that environment. And I just love that connection with the car, with the track, and with the other people that are doing the same thing. Well, you mentioned Midi, and that's Road Atlanta. And that is by far, I think, you know, outside of being at Laguna Seca or at uh, yeah. Road, Atlanta, uh, Road, Road America, Road Atlanta is probably one of the best tracks in the southeast. I mean, no, I'm not taking anything away from Daytona and, and Seabury, sure, but, sure. but, you know, the, the, it's very technical. you got the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. you got the topos. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's just a great track. It is, it is. And if you, can, if you can get good at that, then you find it when you go to other tracks. You'll see bits and pieces of it in other places, uh, whether it's the limited visibility or the off-camp returns or the speed. You can kind of piece it together, and so it does help you learn other tracks as well. If you can be good there, for example, other places. But, you know, I have to say one of the fun things that's, that, that I have with this particular car that I found, this 944 Turbo Cup, these Canadian cars, although they're factory-built lightweights for the um, One Make Racing Series back in 1988, uh, through the Canadian dealerships is how they were sold to the race series. So m- most of them ended up with MSOs, which means they could have been titled and registered for road use. Wow. And so my car, for example, just like the one that we have at the sale this weekend, does have a, a, a fully executed title. And so I was able to get a Georgia license plate and register my car for the road. Now, I've been using it exclusively in HSR racing since I got it last fall. But I do have it registered for road use. If I wanted to go do a road rally with it or a mountain drive, you know, it, it isn't much to, um, you know, put street tires on it and, uh, and, and go do that. And so it's a, it's a really neat opportunity for, for a factory-built lightweight car, not a lot of money, to have that sort of dual-nature purpose to it, just like you did with those famous cars from the 1960s, you know, like the 904s and the Ferrari GTOs and the cars that could be driven on the street to the track, raced, and then driven home. You can you could almost do the same thing with these turbo cups, although we don't do that. Uh, it is possible in some cases to register them for the road. Super, Ray. The checkered flag's coming down right now. So real quick before we leave, go ahead and tell everybody about Broad Arrow. Real quick, give out the information that they can follow us and uh, check you out this weekend. 
Absolutely. Thank you for that opportunity. BroadArrowAuctions.com. We're going to be at the Porsche Experience Center this, this weekend, the 8th, I'm sorry, the 9th and 10th uh, at the Porsche Experience Center Atlanta for the Porsche 75th Anniversary Auction. It's going to be amazing on Saturday. Come out, see the cars Friday, and then bid on the memorabilia and the cars on Saturday. It's going to be a good time and a great way to celebrate an amazing anniversary of Porsche. Super. Ray, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll see you this weekend. My pleasure, Robert. See you then. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I want to give a special thanks to all my friends for tuning into Nostalgia Kingdom Cars. Don't forget to check out Fast Lane Travel. If you're thinking about buying a German car, particularly a Porsche, and picking up in a factory in Germany, Fast Lane Travel offers exclusive European driving tours. In the meantime, I want to see you guys some of the car shows. Don't forget, every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. here on the Tantalk Radio Network in downtown Clearwater. And I should make it. See, that's called tenacity and perseverance. I got here. I got here. Did my show. And I'm thrilled to do it. And I want to thank Matt for hanging out and doing everything. And, Glad uh, to help and, you, boss. And my special guest. In the meantime, I want to see you some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. My baby.